Mysterio. Thank you, Pastor Heather. I saw some of the most unique things at the uh, bazaar last year. So if you're uh, got, you know, got some people where you think they've got everything, I don't know what to buy them. Check out this bazaar. You will find some things you've never seen before. So, uh, well, in honor of the women's bazaar, I have a a women joke. So, ladies, please, uh, please don't get upset with me. Actually, you might like this by the end. Uh, there were three men hiking in the woods. And uh, they were hiking, 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 and they finally came to this impassable river. It was long, and it, was, it was, seemed, seemed like a, a, a real challenge. And so the first man gets down on his knees and says, God, I pray for the strength to get me across this river. And all of a sudden, poof, the guy just begins to bulk up, and he's got all these muscles, and he's ripping out of his shirt, and he goes, yeah, and he jumps in. It takes him a couple hours, but he swims across the river. Well, the second man looks at that, and he gets on his knees and prays and goes, God, not only do I want the strength, but I want the tools to get across the river. And all of a sudden, poof, a boat is just sitting there right in front of him with some oars. And he gets in, you know, and he's, he's paddling, and it takes him about 30 minutes to get across the river. Well, the third man's looking at this, scratching his head, and he gets on his knees, and he says, God, I want the strength, I want the tools, and I want the intelligence to get across the river. And all of a sudden, poof, God makes him a woman. <laughs> and he looks in his pack, and he sees there's a map of the, of the, of the terrain, and that five minutes upstream, there's a bridge to get across the river. Okay, now I got a blonde joke. No. <laughs> Better not tell that or else... I might have to ask one of you for a ride home from church today. <laughs> My wife is blonde. Anyway, you'll get that later. <laughs> Once was a little boy, not like some of my little boys, who had a bad temper. Just had a bad temper. And uh, so one day, his father came up to him and said, son, we got to work on your temper. And so he gave him a bag of nails and a hammer and he said, every time you lose your temper, I want you to take one of these nails and I want you to hammer it into the fence. And so the, little, the first day, the little boy put 37 nails into the fence. And he began to realize, you know, it, it, he got frustrated losing his tempo, temper having to nail all those nails. So over the weeks, he got less and less and less until finally one day he didn't nail any nails in the fence. And he went and told his daddy. His daddy said, I'll tell you what, for every day you do not lose your temper, temper, I'll let you pull out these nails from the fence. And so finally the day came where he had pulled out all of the nails from the fence because he was no longer losing his temper. And he brings his dad out and says, Dad, Dad, look, I, I, I beat it. I conquered this. I'm not losing my temper anymore. And, and the dad said, son, that's true. You're not. And then they just both kind of stood there for a moment and they looked at the fence. It had all these holes in it. And, uh, and the dad said, you've done well, son, but look, look at the holes in the fence. The fence will never be the same. When you say things in anger, 
they leave a scar just like this one. You put a knife into a man, whether with your words or whether in reality, and you pull that knife out, there's a hole left. There's a wound left. And it'll be there until it heals. He says, do you understand? And the boy just kind of nods his head. And the dad was feeling done with the lesson, that the lesson had been learned, when the boy grabs his father's hand and he says, Dad, will you forgive me for the holes I put in you? And his father just opened his eyes real wide and he said, yes, yes, son, yes, I forgive you for the holes that you've put in me. They're healed. They're healed now. And they walked off. This morning, we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to go into a section of the Bible that for many of you, are, you're going to find it very practical, uh, kind of words to live by, uh, kind of passages from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, and, and, and nuggets of truth that can affect daily life here and now today. You can walk out of here really thinking about something, really chewing on something. And of course, this first one, as you can tell from the story I just told, is about anger and about our anger and losing our temper. Now, as we go into these things, we're going to be talking about anger and honesty and, uh, and lust and adultery and, and judgmentalism and hypocrisy and, and all these kinds of things. I want you to know I'm not bringing these up to make you feel bad or to make you feel guilty or to try to you know, be some sort of, you know, Anger's Anonymous Church or, you know, uh, uh, Oath Breaker's Anonymous Church. It's not that at all. It's, it's really so that we can begin to bring awareness and have victory over personal victory and kind of conquer some of those attitudes that really are holding us back from the life that God has for us. But at the same time, uh, let us not make that as an excuse either whether it's our fault or not for some of the attitudes and some of the angers or things that we hold inside, that the Bible definitely calls us to deal with those issues rather than to live with unresolved anger, unresolved dishonesty, or unresolved critical spirits. And so this morning, uh, we're gonna, as we're switching gears, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. And just four verses this morning, not a very long passage, but it's, 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 Jesus is bringing it back and he's keeping it real. And that's one of the things I like about Christ, uh, not having followed Christ all my life. Uh, this was when I first became a Christian. Uh, these were some of the passages that really not only demonstrated to me the most uh, that Jesus really knew what he was talking about, but also that he was a man worth following. So let's pray, and then let's go ahead and read this this passage. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for all that you're doing in in our church and our families. I pray now that as we open the Word of God, that you would come and and, and for each one of us, God, we're going to hear something different, process something different, Lord, that you'd be talking to us as, as this message gets taught and as this text gets engaged. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here we go. You'll have to excuse me. I, I've had a, ever since that dust storm, I've had a terrible cold, uh, maybe even a sinus infection, but I, I might be sniffling a little bit. So sorry to gross you out, but we're all human. 
<laughs> I won't do other human things. I promise I'll keep it to sniffling. <laughs> Verse 21. <laughs> you have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not commit murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Yeah, fair enough. Most people don't argue with that one. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus kind of ups it a little bit. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. It's like uh, a moron or uh, um, it's lawless person, you know, someone, anyway. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, stop right there. Jesus is using a very common technique in, in his day, which is hyperbole. He's, uh, he's obviously showing huge, serious, you know, effects for something that seems seemingly trivial. But what he's trying to make the point is, don't even take lightly the slightest insult because the insult that can lead to the anger, that can lead to the hatred, can lead to murder. Does that make sense? Verse 23, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, in other words, if you're here at church and you're worshiping God and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Verse 25, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown in prison. Now, we, we say that all the time. You know, plea bargains, you get a far, you know, more lenient sentence than if you go all the way. And then, of course, when you're at the judge's mercy, you typically get a more uh, fuller sentence. So let's dig in real quick. Before we go into the application, what we do with this, it's always been my passion as a pastor to go and actually dig into the meaning. What does this mean beyond just the face value? Let me give you just a few things here. First of all, to the first people who would have read this, 2,000 years ago, you know, you're, you're in your robes, sitting on a rock, you get this little letter scribbled out in Greek, you're reading through it, and the first thing you would have noticed when, it, when Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not murder, you would have thought of the Ten Commandments, right? Particularly, and even in Jesus' day, the Ten Commandments were, were kind of somehow above and separated out and, and, and revered uh, in, in much the way we do today. And, and particularly, the Sixth Commandment, which is do not kill, right? Or do not murder is really a better way to translate that. And so you, you have this common Jewish proverb that says this, the thought is the father of the deed. So murder, therefore, is the offspring of anger, angry thoughts, a, a residual anger that floats around in the human heart. Jesus, a few verses earlier, said, I've not come to abolish the Ten Commandments. I've come to fulfill them. And in fulfilling them, he's making a very incredible statement about the Sixth Commandment. Murder was prohibited. Why? I mean, I know it's just mean to do, to kill somebody, you know, kind of a mean thing, but there's a deeper reason why murder was prohibited. And it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Men and women are made in the image of God. Now, 
God have a face and nose? I don't know. But the point is, we are the reflection of God himself on earth. And so the prohibition against murder is to, is to recognize the value of a single human life. Secondly, anger also can deprive a person of their full humanity. When somebody begins to get angry with me and hurl insults at me and hurl criticism at me, I'll tell you, I can feel this big. I can feel very much less than human. I can feel devalued as a human being. Anger can deprive a person of their full humanity. And then the third thing, anger and, and really murder, the whole cycle and system of anger, which leads to bitterness, which leads to hatred, which leads to murder, also usurps God's role as the ultimate judge, taking matters into our own hands rather than leaving it with God's, who is fully capable of running a planet, even though now we have how many? Just happened last week. Seven billion people. So in short, God opposes the anger that gives birth to murder because our dignity and value comes from being made in God's image. And so therefore, rather than just saying murder, Jesus takes it all the way back to the whole system which produces murder. Hurting people hurt people. And it leads to an angry, violent world rather than the world God originally intended for us to live in. Now, what do we do with this? Under application, you're going to see a whole bunch of sheets. And one of the first things you're going to see is a whole bunch of causes for anger. I didn't necessarily write that to go through that this morning. As you look down that, hopefully a lot of you are going to go, mm-hmm, uh-huh, oh yeah. Some of those things, yeah, somebody insults me, somebody hurts me, oh yeah, I'm going to get some angry there. Uh, when I'm not treated fairly, uh, when I'm blamed for something I didn't do, jealousy, loss, loss of a person, loss of something precious to you. I'll never forget when I broke my mother's cookie jar that her grandmother had given her. Oh my goodness, was she angry. <laughs> Lack of respect, uh, feeling unloved, lack of control, past hurts or pains. This is probably where most of us are, are going to have to ask ourselves a question this morning. Is there stuff from the past, residual anger that's inside of there that is an unresolved conflict? Self-hatred. I was in youth ministry for 12 years. I never would have believed how many of my students hated how they looked, hated how they talked, hated who God made them to be, wished they could be somebody else. Not all of them, but more of them than you'd think. And then finally, fear. You'll find that the root of anger is rooted in fear, we're afraid to lose something, afraid to lose respect, afraid that our dignity is not going to be affirmed, afraid that somebody's going to do this, afraid that somebody's going to do that. And we just, we began to protect ourselves by arousing up that anger. Now, many of this, hopefully I'm preaching in the choir, here's some points we're going to go over as to what to do with this, how to begin to tackle it. Number one, to recognize anger as sin. 
as something wrong, as something, and I don't mean just the sin to make you feel bad sin. I mean the kind of sin that's going to hurt you just as much as it's going to hurt anybody else. Anger causes ulcers, gastrointestinal problems, circulatory problems, heart disease. It causes hormonal imbalance. They now believe that some forms of sterility in women are because of deep-rooted anger. And rather than prescribing medicine, they're prescribing psychiatry because they're beginning to see that anger has physical effects against the body as the adrenal glands go into overload and begin to flood our bodies with the fight or flight. And our body has to recover from that. James chapter 119 says this, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Is anybody else hot in here? (sighs) I'm almost tempted to turn the air conditioning on, but uh, uh, thanks for opening the door, buddy. Uh, You're going to have the the sweaty preacher this morning. You're going to see the beads coming down. (laughs) Can I get a witness in here? (laughs) James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Don't just treat this lightly. Anger is, is anger will either kill you or have someone else killed by you. <laughs> so, for man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Again, I'm not saying this to make anybody feel bad, but to state the point. Anger often makes the situations worse. I really love how James words it because he gives us a clue how to overcome it. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. I've gotten myself in so much trouble by not actually listening and hearing somebody out. And all of a sudden I'm angry and I'm (laughs) spewing out all that anger. If I'd have just listened one more minute, I could have avoided the whole thing. Amen? Amen. Number two, live... (laughs) One of you said, amen. (laughs) I love it. Number two, live by faith instead of feelings. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh... In this body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and has delivered himself up for me. This is once again that instead of option we've been talking about for the last three weeks, where instead of hate, we choose love. Instead of retaliation, we choose forgiveness. Instead of murder and anger and hatred, We choose to release it up to God and have forgiveness. That's living by faith. You know why? Let's face it. One of the biggest reasons why we don't want to let go of anger, we don't want someone who wronged us to get away with it. It's a big deal to us. That's where the faith comes in. God, this wrong was done. I'm not your your kind of this God of love and forgiveness. I don't think you're going to zap them like I want you to, so I'm going to take care of it myself. (laughs) Am I speaking the truth here this morning? 
real faith comes out and you say, you know what? This person wronged me. And while I have it within my means, within my power, and within my ability to pour out all this anger on this person, I'm going to give it up to God. You know what? I'm going to let him deal with you. I'm not going to. I'm not going to fight fire with fire. I'm not going to take that into me. I'm not going to have a heart attack over this. I'm going to give it up to God. I'll let him deal with it. Number three, give your anger up to God. Because if it stays within us, it becomes a real heaviness that we can't control. Kristen, you in here somewhere? Come on up. She has, we're going to do a little demonstration here. I love this one. I've done this a few times. It's too much fun. If I start having too much fun with it, say, move on, Tom. All right. Stand right here. All right. Now, by the way, we, we are friends. We are, we are very good friends. And so everything I'm about to say and do to her, it does, it's, it's not real. Okay? All right? So here is my little dart that says, Kristen, I don't think you're good enough. Now I want you to catch these, okay? Kristen, I don't think that I want to spend any more time with you. You're really not that fun. You come in with Starbucks. You really need to find another coffee thing. And uh, <laughs> you need to get a clue, sister. And uh, you're singing. Well, you need to work on that, too. And whoa! Oh! And, uh, well, there's so many other things, but I wouldn't want to mention in front of these good people. And, uh, oh, let's go ahead and, and just put this on here, too. And there we go. And, oh, let's, we got a cable over here. Wonderful. We'll put that around your neck. And, oh, you forgot your dart. You really should have your dart here somewhere. And, oh, here's a gourd or whatever it is, white pumpkin. Yeah, get that on there, too. Wonderful. A person who does not deal with anger walks around like that. You wonder why people pop and they just explode over the littlest thing? Unresolved anger heaped up on their heart. And it's got nowhere to go. When we give it to God, we say, take it. This one too. Not a big fan of pumpkins anyway. When I get to this point, well, let's get that around. That's kind of choking you, isn't it? <laughs> After a while, just go ahead and drop them all. Just let them all go. Because the anger is hurting you, is destroying you. Thank you very much. Let's give Kristen a hand. <laughs> Far more than it's hurting the person you're mad at. And so we lift it up to God. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says... We destroy our vain speculations and every lofty thing which sets itself up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Number four, ask yourself and acknowledge any residual anger. This is where you get honest. This is where you recognize it for what it is. You call a spade a spade. I had a wonderful conversation this week with someone 
And I said, you know what, I'd like to lose some weight. Would you help me? He said, all right, well, what's the problem you think that's preventing you from losing weight? I said, I, I think it's because I just can't seem to, it's my schedule. My schedule's the problem. And he looked at me and he said, no, you're not seeing the real problem. The real problem is your lack of discipline to bring your schedule under control rather than you being in, 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 under the weight of your schedule. And I began to realize, oh my goodness, he's right. That's the real problem. It's a lack of discipline. Sometimes with anger, we have to set ourselves back and, and, and before we say, well, I'm just a victim to all these angry things that are coming my way, when we kind of come back and say, no, what is the real problem? Call it for what it is. Who are you really mad at? Why are you really mad about this? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight 28 says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Number four, deal with it immediately. Deal with it immediately. James, or Ephesians 4.26 says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. The Bible cares less about your sleep and more about you going to sleep with an unresolved conflict in your heart. You can make up a day of sleep. I've pulled some all-nighters, even at 36. It's not easy, it's not fun, but it's humanly possible to not let the sun go down on your, deal with it immediately. And one of the, you might say, well, what's a way to deal with it? We're going to get to a few of those. But really the best way is what James chapter five says. Confess, confess it to another person whom you trust and say, you know what? I'm dealing with some anger in this area of my life. I'm dealing with some anger issues. Would you pray for me? Would you help me? Would you help me talk this out? And the goal is to extricate the anger and get it up to God. So it's not living and festering inside of you anymore. It'll take 10 years off your life. I'm not kidding. Number five, crossover from reaction to response. Reactions are often controlled by others. I poke you, you react. I say something to you, you react. Whenever you do that, you're letting me know something. I'm in control. I can dangle you like a puppet on a stick. I can call you a name. I can hurt you in some way. I can withhold something from you, and you're going to react, and I've got you just where I want you. But when you respond, you don't react quickly, but you're quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. When we respond, we're able to take that and say, this is my response to this, my thought-out, calculated response. Now, you might say, well, what if you're in a situation where words are flying? No, no, no. You know what? When I get in a situation that's escalating, I know this is going to seem kind of mamby-pamby, but you know what I do? I put up my hands and I walk away. I know what will happen. I will fight somebody. I'm not proud of it, but I got this little fighter guy in me that wants to. So I got to holster him. And when I begin to sense it escalating, I'll walk away. I got to go think about some things, and then we're going to come back and talk. It's crossing over from that reactive to being quick to listen, slow to speak. It'll slow you right down when you got to walk away and you're not there. And be slow to become angry. 
And then I got 12 things here, just practical things I'd like to leave you with before we pray and close. Number one is pray in our minds. I do this all the time. Sometimes someone's making me mad, and I'm just saying, God, don't let me kill him. God, don't let me kill him. God, don't let me hit him. God, please don't let me say that. Please, God, don't let me say that. I want to say it. I want to say it. No. All of a sudden, I'm not saying it because I'm praying it. <laughs> Number two, be reminded of the biblical teaching on anger. Hopefully, some of you are going to remember. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That's a good verse to memorize. Number three, develop healthy habits. I don't know about you. I get angry when I'm tired. I get angry when I, I, I maybe I'm, I haven't eaten a healthy diet and I got heartburn or something like that. I can get angry if I'm not recreating enough or, or, or having leisure time, and so I'm getting burnt out, and all of a sudden I'm snapping at people, saying things, da da da. If I'm not taking a Sabbath and taking a rest, there's healthy habits that can promote being able to deal with anger in a more healthy way. Number four, look up. You ever notice what, when people are truly anger, what, angry, what they do? They look down. You know where the Bible says hell is? Under the earth. Whenever we're angry, we're looking right at it. Where the Bible says heaven is? Up above. So one of the things that I really try to, I don't do it all the time, but it's something I'm trying to do more, is whenever I'm really getting angry and I'm really, just kind of look up for a little bit. Just kind of go outside and look up, close my eyes, keep, let, let, I don't know what it is, maybe it's something biological with the blood flowing better or something, but I, you start to look up and all of a sudden it's like that change of physical posture begins to deal with some of that reactiveness. Number, th- number five, write it out, whether it's on toilet paper or journal. Sometimes when I write out when I'm really angry at, I'll look at it and go, I'm angry at that. You know, you write it out and see it for what it is, and it's not that big a deal. Number six, eliminate faithless words. People who say things like uh, uh, never or can't or won't or not, they set you up to fail before you even began. Try to find uh, words of faith such as calm down, think, pray, hold on. Number seven, Surrender, surrender your ego's need to be right. If we can get over needing to be right all the time, we have a lot more peace in our lives. Sometimes you will be right. Sometimes God is being patient with the person who is wrong. We just let God be God and get out of the way. Amen? Amen. Number nine, or number seven, be careful who you make your counselor. I have noticed I had a certain friend in my life once that made me angrier. You know why? He was the fuel to my fire. If I was complaining about something, he'd complain about it 10 times more. If I was upset about something, he would be upset about it 10 times. Finally, I had to say, man, I cannot go to you when I am in this mode. I've got to go to somebody else. Why? Well, because you're worse off than me. (laughs) Number nine, what can you be grateful for? There's always something to be thankful for. Number 10, laughter. I, I love laughing. I especially love laughing at myself. That's why I love blonde jokes. I love them. Tell me all the blonde jokes you have. You want me to tell one right now? Right. Oh, there's my wife back. I won't say it. <laughs> my ride home today. <laughs> Number 11. <laughs> you guys want to put me in conflict, don't you? <laughs> Number 11, confession. 
James 5, again, confess to one another so that you might be healed. I have to do this a lot. I'm struggling with this. I'm angry. I don't think we're powerful enough to just get over some of the angers we have. The Holy Spirit has to come and remove it. I'll let that sit for a moment. The Holy Spirit has to come and remove it. And then finally, number 12, forgiveness. Being unable to forgive someone is like drinking poison and expecting them to die. Forgiveness. Confession and forgiveness is the beginning of conquering anger. There was a pastor who was raised in an abusive home. His father was an alcoholic, said things to him, beat him pretty good. So when he was a teenager, he got involved himself in the drugs and alcohol. But in college, he uh, went to a, a Christian church like this, and he decided to change his life and to give his heart to God, and he became a Christian. And he grew up and became a pastor, and he could preach hot air balloons on Sunday. But when he went home, he'd have fits of rage. But he was too embarrassed to find anybody to tell because he was a pastor. He was a pastor. He was supposed to have that one together. He couldn't figure out how God could heal him from addictions, from alcoholism, from illicit sex, how all of those things could, he could overcome in the spirit. But he didn't realize that this anger was so deeply rooted in him by his family, by his father. One day, when he was broken enough, he found another person to pray with him every week. And, this, and today, he is free from that. Fits of rage have gone, but it took some time, deliberate time, to confess that to another person and to forgive his family for the dynamic they had. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I lift up our congregation this morning. I pray, Jesus, in your holy name, God, that you would show us the areas of anger Show us some people we need to forgive. Give us, God, I, I think sometimes we don't deal with anger because we've got nobody to confess to. I pray you'd bring someone in our lives we can confess to. If you've not made a decision to be a Christian this morning, I'd like you, it's very easy. All you have to say is, Lord Jesus, I repent of all my sins. I invite you into your, my heart. I receive the Holy Spirit into my life. 
and I confess you as my Lord. That step right there is going to deal with a lot of anger. As the Holy Spirit helps us walk out being anger-free. And so, Jesus, this morning I pray for our congregation that we would not treat lightly the anger inside, that we would give it to you, confess it to one another, and be forgiving to one another because we have been forgiven by you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. A lot to think about, a lot to pray about. Hope you all have a great morning. You all look very rested. So uh, (laughs) go out there and mow the lawn or do whatever it is you need to do. No, it's Sabbath. Rest. Go watch the Niners or the... Raiders. Seahawks. That's right. The Seahawks. (laughs) God bless you all. Have a great week.